Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Yeah, welcome back to the Blue Chip Academy podcast, the Blueprint to Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. And we got a great episode today back at it, man, with one of my former roommates. Not too many people can say that they left college as an all-time leading receiver in history at anything, right? Whether D3, D2, but at a Power 5 school at a place like Penn State, let alone coming on, starting off as a walk-on DB. You always hear those stories anomaly like, oh, somebody went on to DB and they did this. Our guest passed Bobby Ingram to become Penn State's all-time leading receptions, receptions leader in November of his senior season against the Indiana Hoosiers, going on to get drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in their third round in the 2009 draft. Since transitioning from the NFL, uh, has gone on to have a successful career in cybersecurity, currently located at Atlanta, killing as a uh, network security engineer at Cox Communications. Proud to welcome the GOAT, man, the guy, <laughs> Dion Butler, man. What's going on? <laughs> man, it's great to be back, man. Like you're saying, it's, it's a great personal thing, too, man, just being, you know, one of the first guys that, you know, stayed with at Penn State. So it's always just a great thing to see us evolving past the game and see us moving in our different lanes but still doing successful things. And just from watching you, man, from afar and just love what you're doing, man. So glad man, to be here. respect respect i appreciate that man it's like the feelings mutual man always always have much respect man just on how man your game from one point but obviously as a person right as roommates and going through this thing kind of had like you said at one point we had different perspectives going in but the, at the same time the mission that we were on was like was the same but we always talk about everyone Absolutely. has different journeys through this football ecosystem elite sports path and like finding your lane and kind of your your true value that you bring to the table and leading into those you can ha have success. So, like I said, you hear about the anomalies in sports as a former walk-on who made it, but most understand don't understand like the fortitude, the self-belief, and frankly, just the pure talent that goes along that has to succeed on the field and off the field. Uh, so let's jump into it. What is one piece of advice that you would give to a walk-on attending a Power Five school, looking to get on scholarship? Not only to look, not only looking to get on scholarship, but be a main contributor. Um, I think it's a, my biggest thing is your mentality. Just have a mentality that you belong. Um, just coming in as a walk-on, I can speak from my personal story, and I think probably a lot of other guys, you kind of get caught into this hype of, okay, well, I'm not a three-star or a two-star, I'm a one. Or, and you get in all these stars and you forget football's played on the field. I don't care who judged you. That guy probably didn't play or whatever this is. So it's really intimidating coming in, right? So I'm coming into Penn State Power 5. Well, wow, this is a place I couldn't even get a scholarship to like, man, everybody must be like demigods walking around here, you know, and, and then we'll touch on it later, probably. But right then you, you put me in a dorm room with the number one kid in the nation, the number one corner in the nation. And I'm in here like, man, but my mindset, you know, once I got in there was like, Hey man, I'm gonna come here and I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna bust my tail. And if it fails, 
I'm going to fail knowing like y'all put everything into it that I could. Um, but then you kind of start to realize like, man, you, you can, you can play at that level. Like other guys are good, but you, you know, you can have a spot. It was intimidating though was the biggest thing. I think just mindset. Now that's real. When you say that, it's like, like going into it and just like you said, being intimidating because like everybody's giving out scholarships and you're coming in knowing that you weren't one of the guys that got that scholarship. So like jumping into it, you mean coming from Northern Virginia, DMV, talent rich area, like how was the process for you? Because like, like you said, you knew you didn't get a scholarship offer to go to a place like Penn State. Like, What was your recruiting process like? So, you know, mine kind of jumped off late. We were one of those schools. We were a powerhouse um, football school in Virginia. So we just happened to be good enough to where guys just play offense or defense unless you really excelled. Right. So and I was more of a basketball kid. I kind of just played football just because it was like, oh, this is fun. And then going to school. So then it kind of took off. Um, Guys were good. But so my junior year, I only played defense and went to one camp. I really wasn't a big football guy. Like I didn't go to all these camps. I was more so like you would catch me at a basketball camp in a heartbeat. So football wasn't highly recruited. And then that junior year came, we won states. I played defense, started that whole year. And I was like, okay, this guy's kind of good. And we had another guy that was like number one in the nation. Everybody came to check out. And so they would look at me and be like, oh, he's kind of good, but I don't know if he's good enough. And then senior year is when it really jumped off in between. So I went to one camp at Maryland and um, had a really good camp. And I remember it was a guy, Doug Dutch, and I was battling him out there and he was a big deal. And um, just kind of was like, all right, well, who's this kid? And kind of put me on the map a little bit. And then senior year, I played offense and defense. So then that's when the stats came, right? Because, you know, it's one thing to be a shutdown corner in high school, but it's like, unless you go to camps, probably they're not really going to, you know, look at that. So it was like when I started putting up offensive numbers, like, all right, well, now the dude has nine interceptions, but he's got 200 yards in the same game. And so my recruiting took off like my senior year. And by that time, most people know like those big schools, power fives, they've pretty much filled out their class. Right. They've offered guys a long time ago. So I started getting a lot of, hey, we've got a scholarship for you, but you need to commit now before you visit. And I wasn't comfortable with that. So that's kind of one of those situations at Penn State, actually, where it happened, where I got a scholarship. I was like, all right, well, let me I want to come out there and visit within two weeks or something. And I remember by the time I got there, like, hey, the other kid already committed before you and. So then I ended up just coming back and, and walking on there and I really liked it. But and then one thing, too, I forgot is um, in the States, my senior, there was a kid, Eddie Royal, that was like number one in the state and big deal, had all these offers. And me and him went toe to toe, but he didn't play defense. I played defense. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like, OK, well, this I think I kept getting to that point where like people are like this little kid belongs. Like I don't know who he is. He doesn't have a whole we don't know a 40 time on him or this or that. But it was just like. You know, just kind of, and that's how my recruiting process kind of got to where it got to. It just jumped off late. No, so it's just to hear that. So you're just a late bloomer at the end of the day, right? Like your senior year, you started coming onto the scene and like uh, Power Five schools, like you said, their classes get backed up or guys commit. And you, I'll, I'll be honest, like even just coming in, going in to, as, as a recruiting coordinator, like you kind of warped my idea of like what the level of a walk-on is supposed to be. Because I'm like, well, walk-ons that I played with, like these guys were... <laughs> These guys are like, you know I mean, I don't know. Dion was low four three. You know, Jordan Norway was. I don't even. I, Jordan was like a gray shirt, so I was a little, a little different. But it was still in that same thing where it was like we talk about, you know, like maybe two, three stars or whatever the case may be. Like, well, what, mm-hmm. what is the common thread that makes those guys successful, right? And it was just always using you guys as a, as a, as a measuring stick because there was elite traits there the whole time, right? And like you talk mm-hmm. about how you approach the game. 
So when we were getting serious with the whole recruiting process, right? Like your senior year, like where was your mental with it? It was like, okay, I'm going to, like, I'm going to college. I'm going to get on scholarship. Once you figured out you were going to walk on. It's pretty crazy because it was all brand new, man. It was, um, it was just a whirlwind kind of um, like, I haven't been through this. My parents hadn't been through kind of big schools coming in. Um, my brother ended up playing right basketball university in Miami, but he got in academics and then joined the team that way. So he didn't really have a strong recruiting process. So I was the first one to have like, Hey, coaches are coming in the living room, sitting down, talking to you. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at my parents, they're looking at me and it's just like, well, I don't know. Well, cool. Let's go to this place and check this out. And I mean, it was fun visiting the colleges, but I think because of that, I had a good support system, which was great because my parents, they were always into academics, right? right? So academics, I knew going in, I was like, okay, I want a school that's great academically. I was pretty fortunate in that I kind of knew I wanted to do forensic science. All those CSI shows were new. So I wanted to kind of, okay, I want to try to find something at the school has something like that. So that kind of helped. You knew that going in, that that was the type of program that you were looking for. Okay. Yeah, because it was. I remember. I'll never forget because I was in high school, and I remember one of the things about picking a major, right? That's like one of the big deals, right? Your senior, junior year in high school. And it was like, well, what TV shows do you watch? And I was like, man, I watch CSI all day. And they were like, well, you know, and kind of go with that. And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to do like forensics and bullet trajectory and all that stuff. So that kind of helped narrow my my focus of like schools that at least kind of were academic that at least offered something like it. And just because I wasn't one of those you know, four-star, five-star guys or had a whole bunch of offers, I could kind of, that would play into it where it just wasn't just football right. played into it. Like academics played into it because I didn't see, you know, I don't know three, four years right, from right, right. what that's, I'll be doing. That's very interesting. Like with going in through the recruiting process, knowing that you're kind of a walk-on, do you think it kind of geared your college selection process more towards a normal student or like you're kind of looking at majors, where does this thing line up from the school first and then the football? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of a unique trait from it, you know, is that because I wasn't like, okay, hey, here's a pit stop to the NFL. I was just like, okay, I need to get a great education. What's going to look good on your resume? Kind of like you saying, like the the normal student would do, right? Like, hey, let me go to a school that looks great when I get, you know, when I graduate, I put this on my resume. He went to this school. She went to this school that looks great. And that that played a large part into that recruiting process as well as, okay, and then football on, you know, added on to that so it's just kind of like it wasn't just football and then like hey let me find something to do while i'm there right that actually like puts things in the right like the correct perspective like when you're going through it it's like literally having that football piece as the the icing on the cake and everything else being built up underneath and we kind of see how everything went when you kind of use that and make your uh impact on the field and continue to use your degree and everything that you gain off the field Mm mm-hmm so what was the best part for you, like going through the recruiting process? Because, I mean, for me, I, I, I would think that if you were like talented, you talk about nine picks, having all the yards and you're not getting scholarship offers. Like, I would think that would be kind of like the recruiting process was a little frustrating. It was it was definitely frustrating. Um, just as far as, you know, being always hearing like, yeah, we like you, you know, we think you're good. But they always have some little butt in there. Right. And it would just be, you know, once again, kind of like, OK, I've played the number one guy in the state we went toe to toe like you telling me I can't even be the number 30 guy in the state and like get five scholarship offers like so just frustrated in that point of just like and that's also another mentality thing because you kind of at that point you always hear what you're not right I always heard well you're not you know a big guy you know well you know you're not fast and 
even though I was fast, it was the point was I didn't go to football camp. So no one had a clocked time on it. it. So they're like, okay, smaller. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know quite his time. But like, so I, I was like one of those guys that it was just, it was frustrating to always hear what I wasn't. Um, the, the best part, honestly, was honestly just being with my family at these different campuses, like places that I never would have thought I'd have been to and just kind of experiencing that. And I mean, definitely met a lot of, you know, great players and saw a lot of good campuses and stuff. But just that experience to go to those different places, having never really been to a college campus and then having that like, hey, this could be a college experience because you always hear about right so much about oh, college is going to be the best time, college be the best time of your life. So I'm like, this is coming up like I don't know, like I'm picking this. This could be one of them. I don't know. And just kind of starting to see that and even seeing the other recruits that want to visit with me like, yo, this could be my homeboy for the next three, four years, like you know, kind of stuff like that. Oh, that's real cool, man. That's funny that you talked about the speed piece and like not having, uh, not going to camps and people knowing that you're fast. Because I remember like one of my first days on campus. And, you know, we all we all know what guys kind of run, or at least being a DB, you have a gauge of speed of who you're going against, right? And mm-hmm. like I didn't really have a gauge of you or Jordan to an extent, right? It was just like, all right, this is Dion, whatever. And I remember like round lining up. I'm like, I don't know, man. Dude can run, dog. I was like. <laughs> I was like, I can run, man. And I'm like, dude's running, dog. And then we end up timing in the spring. You ran like four, three, three. I was like, yeah, I knew it, man. This dude's flying out here. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was one of those pieces, man, where like I said, just I never was a big football camp guy. So no time. So just like I was just one of those guys, like, hey, they nobody's really caught them on film, but we don't know what time. For, you know? <laughs> no, that's a real that's that's real. Because like that's a key piece too. It's like what people don't know. I mean, Penn State got a steal with you going in there. I mean, that might be the steal of the century, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> so, it was the uh, what would be like a key takeaway that you would share with anyone to better equip themselves to go on through the recruiting process as a recruit or as a walk on? Because I, I think you have a very interesting perspective going through the process as a walk on. Yeah, I mean, as a walk on, honestly, like I would love to. You know, I think I'm blessed. I would love for everyone to have the same story, but. You know, the actuality is, and I think, and you know, you know, the guy we play for always talk about, you know, I'm worried about everybody that doesn't make it to the league and just about how much uh, they built that up in us at Penn State. So I would say for honestly, a walk on guys like have that mindset, have that determination that you're going to be there and, and play, but also think about your future outside of that um, as far as. What do you want to do academically? Is it something that you're really passionate about? Is it something, you know, obviously a lot of people change majors and stuff, but just get in and think about something that you really do as far as kind of thinking about a school like that. And then if you're, you know, opposite guy, I don't really have too much experience, but just going through the recruiting process, don't feel rushed. I'm sure you could give a different side of that, but, you know, you get in here and, you know, people want, obviously their classes filled out quick. And even on the opposite end, I went in where it was just like, hey, we got a scholarship commit. And I was like, man, I ain't never been to, I remember like Akron was one. I've never been to Akron. I'm not going to commit somewhere I haven't been to before. And, you know, unfortunately, then they would pull the scholarship or like Cincinnati. I hadn't been to Cincinnati, but, you know, just be patient. Um, You know, even if you do commit, but just be thorough when you go there, but be patient because they, you know, they, they work on their own clock. They trying to feel something out and you got to do what's best for you at the same time. And that's a great point, man, because you walked, like you were saying it, and you walked it out, right? Like, you got scholarship offers where they're like, hey, hurry up and commit. And you were like, ah, I'm not really sure. And you lost those opportunities, and you end up walking on to Penn State. And you made the most out of that opportunity of going on scholarship, leading as, you know, in the record books and all that stuff, all that great, all those great things. But you weren't, you never felt rushed, though. You never felt like it's, 
scholarship or bust. It was like, all right, I'm going to take my time to the point where I'm going to walk on that power five. That's a very powerful example of like taking your time and going through the process. Cause it's not speaking from a five star standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking from a, a person that went through as a walk on and, and got those late offers and was just like, all right, I need the yeah. best situation for me to thrive. Cause once I get here, I have to be able to do what I need to do. I need to be able to get the degree that I want to go through. And I think that's real interesting hearing you going through the process more so like a regular student and then the football piece being the add on. So if we transition into Penn state, like what was that walk on experience like? You know what, man, it was, it was great, man. Um, I mean, there were a couple of downsides and stuff here and there we'll get into, but I mean, very minimal, but I mean, I think one of the great things is just the people there first off. um, I mean, a lot of the teammates, I mean, you were there kind of first time, well, right after my first year, right that summer, but it was just like, you know, that senior class we had, man, was special that year. Those guys, I mean, I don't think we could have been any more blessed to just have the the type of guys that we had, the leaders that we had there. So they really showed us the way, you know, still have fun, showed us how to have fun, but like, hey, when it's time to work, um, it's time to work. So I think that experience, that was big as far as um, helping shape, like, this is what it looks like to be you know, uh, a top player and at the collegiate level. And then honestly, even being with Jordan, you and Derek that year. And I remember we were just all young and like, Hey man, we, all right, let's go out here and let's figure it out. We didn't know what we didn't know, you know? Right, um, right. and, but I felt like that just meshed really well in that room because we just like, we all, like you said, we all had the same mentality. Like we want to play, like we're going to have to figure it out. Like we not the biggest, we're not the strongest, you know, whatever, but it's just like, we're going to find a way. And you couldn't, you really couldn't take that from us. And I'm just glad because, you know, I see you work and do something. I see Derek do something. Then I want to do it. And Jordan's trying to do it. And then they like, damn, he can do that. And then like, all right, watch this. And then, and we just, and that was just alone in that room. That's just the room. Of That's going that to quad. film. That's just, yeah. Right. That was just that quad of just like, yo, J. King did this today. D. Will did that. Like, Dion had this one play, J. Wood. And it was just like, we just pushed each other. And then I think we gave each other confidence. So that supporting cast right there was huge for me. And I don't even think, I mean, I've never really talked about it much, but you guys, like, that meant so much because it gave me confidence, like I said, from an intimidation standpoint. But I was like, all right, you know what, Ashley, I'm here and we're making plays and they doing it. Like, we just here having fun. And now I'm not even thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm at Penn State. I'm like, it's another day to ball. Let's go. That's that's real, man. Because like the same way that you fed off of that. I mean, I think me and Derek talked about it on the episode where we fed off of it too. Like where it was the sense of like everybody that we came when we came back to the apartment, like everybody was on that mission of like, oh, we gotta go get it. Like, and there was never really any attitude of like we need to beg pardons or like excuse me, like let's do this. We were like, ah, we gotta go do it. Like, all right, he did this. You're doing that. I'm playing both sides. Derek's doing his thing. Jordan's crossing people up on the field. Like, you know, you're taking people uptown, and it's. And there was a level of us competing against each other within, but like none of us had that mentality. Like we had to wait. And I think that Mm -hmm. made all of us feel even more comfortable being in that confident space where it was like, well, I know three people that's feeling the same way I'm feeling. (laughs) Like, I don't know about anybody else, but the cats that I live with, they they expect the ball. (laughs) Right, right. Like you go make a play. I'm like, Jay King, yo, bro, but did you see the play you made? And it's just like, (laughs) you get that confidence. Cause we, and we weren't, Hating on each other, we were just all level. You come back like, yo, did you say she Woodrow catch yesterday? Like, you know what I mean? We would just all be on that. And I felt like we just built off of that, man. No, that's real. And that's real, man. And like, just take it down to a little bit of the, the pieces. I mean, just to talk to some of the guys that may be going through that walk-on experience. Some of the 
I guess darker times are the things that maybe are a little different when you come through as a walk on where you're like, oh man, this is serious business. Like being a walk on means like I'm walking on. Yeah. Can you give so, me like any stories that were like a, a rude awakening? I'll never forget two, two things. Um, nothing on the field really besides like just guys being on the field. I'll start with on the field. On the field, guys just like everybody kind of looked apart. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody looked like you, you 17, you 18. Like, I, I don't know where they, where they make them at like that, but I ain't like, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, I, I still laugh to this day when me and Jordan will talk about it, like going in there, we couldn't even hit a 45 on the bench press, bro. Like, you know what I mean? But like, who's this guy, you know? Right. Um, But just, just kind of being confident who you are and knowing that stuff. But then, you know, just everybody looked apart. So like, you got that where like, okay, wow. Like this looks like, I guess with a, a three star, four star, whatever it looks like. Um, that part was big on the field and everybody could move and stuff like that. Off the field, man, the two biggest things I'll never forget is training table is one. Um, just as far as after every practice, so just like a backstory for people who don't really know that. So training table is basically football players had our own cafeteria so you can make it to study hall on time. We didn't want to wait or we didn't they had it where we didn't have to wait in the regular cafeteria with all the other students because there were always a long line when it's kind of like dinner time on campus, right? So you had, okay, here's training tables, just the players, you check in, sign your name, go get your food, and then you can make it to study hall on time if you need a study hall. And being a walk-on, you don't get access to training tables. So we would all be leaving practice and nobody goes to practice and like, hey, are you on scholarship? Are you a No one does that. Right. So, you know, you just go and practice and play and then walk in there and I'm walking with the guys. And I remember... You remember, so like training table, you veer off to the left, and I used to veer off to the right, and they'd be like, "Yo, D, where you going? Training table over here?" And I'd be like, "Nah, bro, I ain't got training table, man." Like, nah, nah. I remember the first time they was like, "Nah, nah, come on, man, you good?" And I went up there, and Kirk, bro, Kirk was like, "Your name ain't on here." So I literally, I was like, got went to the club door. Basically, it felt like went to the club and was like, "Hey, now your name not on the list, bro." So I literally, I'll never forget that. And people kind of like a couple of times after that and after practicing, be like, you ain't on Scully? Like you be out there like, you know, making plays too. Like you're not on scholarship. I'm like, nah, they be like, man, I, and I'll never forget Tone. Tone used to bring me food. I'd be like, yo, Tone, bring me some food after the joint, man, some free candy and whatnot. So he always used to look out for me. Tony Davis, my uh, roommate at that time too. He but did. that was like one of the big things. Yeah. That was one of the big things that I recognized was like, man, that training table, because that was like a moment of. I had to say, because like I said, no one asked on the field, but I had to say like, hey, I'm not on scholarship. I can't go there. I got meal points. You got to go there. And then it kind of, you know, it is what it is. But like as, as a player, you kind of feel embarrassed. You shouldn't, but you do as just a guy, right? That I, was one I thing. Think, I think you're hitting on a real uh, real serious point because like when guys think about going through the walk-on process or even sometimes when you go as an undrafted free agent into the NFL and like what it takes to kind of make it and like the hurdles that you had to jump off, jump over outside of the field right if you have an issue of confidence if you should be there if you have that and you don't have a confidence of like being there and you go to go eat with the guys we're like you can't eat here like that right. just kind of reinforces that you're not supposed to be you go back to your room you're not studying with the guys the next day it's like well, should i be playing like this like there's like there's right. mental fortitude that goes along with that rejection knowing that i can't eat with the guys that i'm supposed to be on the same team right. because like your whole life right. since you come on the football field we're all equal i mean all teammate, 110 teammate. of us here we're on the football team and that's like a thing yeah. that you sometimes see i know that was like a wake-up call for me when i started realizing that when i got to college like wait wait walk-ons can't eat here 
Like I didn't really yeah. understand it, but you know, obviously now understanding the game and everything, but that is. Yeah. It, it That's a big part because like I said, it makes you really say it like, Hey, I'm not on scholarship. I can't go over there and stuff like that. So you, you kind of, like you saying, if you're not sure if you should be there, that's really a big thing. Like you've got to be confident. Like that's why I, I don't eat there. And then even on top of that, right. But Hey, you can come and eat on Friday when the recruits are here, which is a deeper subject, right? Cause that gets into, also, oh, now y'all want me to smile and all these recruits' faces with the ice sculptures here. Like, hey, yeah, I'm here. I'm eating good. But yo, Monday through Thursday? Nah. But Friday for, for show? Come on in. That's deep. And you know, that, that, I mean, that's a big thing. And it's like, man, if you're not confident in yourself, you're going to hold a lot of animosity about like, so y'all going to let me come here and eat Friday, but Monday through Thursday I can't. But Friday, the only difference is people coming. So y'all want to look like everybody can everybody's a family here and this is like bro monday through thursday i'm not don't you know what i mean and bro, not to sound like animosity con- unwavering confidence because the most confident person can get turned away and like you might you, how do you respond right, that, to that like so that, even what you're saying like that's what i think people don't understand like there's like an unwavering confidence like people that make it as andre the fridge people that make it as a uh, as a walk-on like there is like this this dog mentality and fortitude that you have to have within yourself because there's everything outside that's kind of taking chips at like yeah. your self-image yeah. your identity if you should be yeah. here because it's just trying to trying to make it easier so if anything were to happen it's like all right we can separate from that like right right and the and the other thing i remember too is just books i had to buy my books so i would i would have that student experience of having to go and find a book and and then having to return a book and then you probably hear the normal student talk about that i had that experience for a year it was like y'all bought the book for 80 i'm returning it for 30 how that work? You know, as opposed to once you get on scholarship, hey, they gave me a box. I picked up all my books in a box. I returned the box. That's what it is. Yeah. No, so that's interesting. So when did you feel like you were in the right place? Like all these things are happening. Those are like two examples. But there was, was there a moment that, I mean, before they said like, Dion, we're going to push you on scholarship. Like, did you know, like when you caught your stride, like, man. Um, I think that, that uh, like that spring ball, man, when y'all were there and they had switched me over to wide out and. I don't know. I feel like, like you're saying, like we just, the way we built off of each other, we were just going out there. And I, we knew our defense, even when we were rough before, right, the year, our defense was still good. Right. So just like when we were going out there and as freshmen, we're making plays and catching, you know, some deep posts and deep outs. And it's just like, I like, I, hey, I belong here. And like I said, like building off of you guys and seeing that was like pretty big as far as, man, it's like, we can really do this. And then like getting that confidence, building that confidence to where then it became a thing where it was expected. Like, hey, if Justin, if you're going against, you know, AZ, we expect you to win. If you lose, okay, we're going to critique you. But it's not like, hey, we just expect you to lose. Right. Like it was expected, like, yo, you make a play on him or, you know, going against Calvin or something. So I think that was big. And then the other big part, I think it was, I think it was Central Michigan game where I had like two touchdowns. I was like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Like, I think the first one was Cincinnati. I caught a touchdown, but that was kind of like near the end of the game. But that Central Michigan, I think, was I caught like two. And I was like, oh, yeah, I belong in D1 football here, guys. When did they officially put you on scholarship? Man, long story. So that one actually was at the end of my freshman year. So right before you came was actually when what happened was I literally left school, dapped everybody up. Hey, man, didn't get my scholarly. I'm going to holler at y'all. I had plans to go. I actually was going to probably go to like William and Mary or one of the small schools. I was about to reopen my recruitment. Okay. 
And I remember I literally only got home for maybe five days. And uh, Joe, I called my parents and I was like, oh, you know, why is he leaving? Like he's supposed to be here. My parents, we're not paying for summer school because, you know, we had to be there. Yeah. My parents like, we're not paying for summer school. We not that, you know, that wasn't what we can afford. They were like, and within a day, they was like, oh, no, nah, bring them back. We got a scholarship. for them. We, we found a scholarship. <laughs> but I, I literally <laughs> left, bro. I packed everything. I hadn't even unpacked and then we just drove it right back. Nah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> crazy but that's how it went no, I, I didn't i didn't know that story that's that's pretty cool i mean joe recognized yeah. that hey hey man get this guy back up on campus man yeah we, hey, we, what are you doing we didn't travel to alexandria a couple times to get players dog you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like come yeah. on man. yeah no so is there any critical advantage that you noticed while you were at penn state like while you were there you're just like man i gotta take full advantage of like this um you know what? Honestly, I think the talent that I was playing against, okay. man. Like, I wanted to take a full advantage. Like, when, and it was early, right? Early years were, like I said, the Zemitis's, Calvin Lowry's, Omar, you guys, like, obviously, Mike Rob was there, but just the talent that was around, even though we didn't show it per se on the field. Right. But I was just like, man, these guys are talented. Like, I can learn from them. And they had really good mentality. So I, I really honed into learning from those guys, like, offense, defense, because, right, I played defense first year. You coming in with a lot of experience, even though without college, but you have been through a lot of camps, a lot of technique. Derek had been to every camp, known the man. Jordan's a coach's son. So he like knew all that technique. And I was really honed in to like, let me learn from these guys because I'm not going, obviously I'm not on scholarship, but I'm not going to act like I'm too good to not learn uh, from those guys. And I really learned a lot. And I remember my freshman year too, which was big. Uh, Chris Harrell was hurt. So he was on scout team and he had already played before. So Chris had us running around like crazy, like, nah, man, when you... And cover two, play it like it's cover three. So I started really thinking the game. You know, they want you on scout team, right? Hey, sit here and do like this. He was like, nah, do this, make it look like this. I'm going to flip. And he was like, yo, you get a pick, like pitch it. Like he just had the confidence, right? Like when you play with that confidence, and that just really helped me build of like, yo, I belong here. I'm learning from these guys. And like I really I felt like that was a big advantage because a lot of guys really knew the game, like as far as like studying it and stuff like that. I would I would definitely agree with you. That culture I when we first when I got there in uh, freshman year, just how those guys approach the game, their like football acumen, just the way we prepared and like you said, just yeah, just the seriousness and how they approached it. I kind of base like football culture off of that. Like, mm-hmm. all right, what, is this like, is this a tough culture? Is this this because like that was a pretty that was a pretty rough and rugged locker room. I think that 05 season when you talk about all the way through whether it's talent, toughness, like confidence all the way all the yeah. way through and i mean you, and you mentioned a good point too about guys being smart just being kind of prepared from us playing at that young age and just what you talked about like they're coming through uh you know his dad was a athletic administration administrator in college jordan his dad was the db coach on the team coach norwood you know i came my, my dad was a high school head coach athletic director at the time now associate head coach and like you said you were coming from the same standpoint and like that was kind of the mentality of it. Like when we were in the room, like we were talking football, like we would talk yeah. about plays, like we would have the had the playbook on the video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like different stuff. So it was that that that's that a very that good big. point because I, I drew a lot from that too, from just like the culture and just how people approach their craft. Yeah, you know I mean, so yeah. it was it was really special. I think just definitely that year, other years too, but that year because you had the young talent who didn't know too too much. And then you had those guys who had been losing for three years or so, and they were tired of that. And then they had that dog, and then it was like that influx. And then it just, 
busted out on the field. That's exactly what it was. Cause like they were fed up. Like I, I remember telling <laughs> Cast that about a time. Like those seniors, like Tomba, Mike Rob, uh, AZ, and if the guys listening, man, they were. They, you could tell like they were walking on eggshells. It was like yeah. every yeah, yeah, it was it was ready to go up at all moments, man. What was the oh, best yeah. part you think at Penn State for you? Man, I think honestly, it was that whirlwind of that. I mean, there's a lot of great moments breaking I'm the sure. records, but I just really, I really love that first year with us, man. And right, it was the four freshmen, freshmen don't play here. And it was just kind of like, but we didn't really think about that. We didn't really know about that. We didn't care about that. We just, sorry, right, we happened to be playing. And then, you know, we doing the photo shoots in ESPN magazine. And I'm like, this is like, I mean, I'm just a, a walk on cat. And now I'm doing magazine photo shoots where we got our own little sign. Now we doing aircraft, plane pictures and like. I mean, it was just, it was that first year just to see of like, you belong. That really solidified, like, hey, you belong, man. Like, and these other guys, they're with you, you're with them, like, yo, let's make that happen. But that was a really special year to just see that all come together, that success we had, and just even the buzz that guys were like, it was just such a big deal that freshmen didn't play, but we didn't let it get to our head. We were just like, we just happened to be playing. It was definitely a movie uh, that freshman year. It was a, it was a movie because, like you said, it was there was expectations and we kind of and we rung the bell, right? Like, it was yeah. like all right, we were kind of big recruits. You guys came in and performed beyond ev- any expectation. I think all of us, you know, what I mean, to that standpoint, and it was like that turning point from like a bad year to an eleven and one year, and like that being the spark point. That was a special time. People mm-hmm. talk about that old five year man. It was a what a time, what a time, what a time. What was the worst part, you think? Oh, man. Not to um, get too gruesome about anything, but like nah, things that you nah. Just, I mean, I remember just, uh, I mean, probably lighthearted, but the worst time, man, crawling it out of that weight room, getting our butts kicked. This <laughs> man, is, <'cause> you, <laughs> hey, I talk about people when they got to, when they're evaluating these schools, man, you better evaluate this weight room. Not that you got to work hard here or there, but you better make sure it's on point for you, because, man. Yeah, man. that way where we could get could get sticky in there. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it, it's not that I didn't like, but it's like, man, that's tough. Like that was that was hard. I mean, that built character though uh-huh. too, right? Um, you know, just even like the little things that we didn't like, like oh, I got to be ten minutes early to be on time, and you know, all of that stuff. That, I mean, that, it it just it taught you a lot though. So yeah. it's not per se a negative thing, but it, it was something that you had to adjust to if you weren't used to that, that's right? Fair. So, like you know, learning that and kind of. Um, just you know i guess the only other part you know we didn't have all of the flashiest stuff so we kind of wanted to be like that but we made it work we did what we had to do man ah, but, I, uh, I think that's real man like especially being real about like, uh, like the weight rooms and adjustment i guess a true part yeah. of like the college football oh, experience yeah. like, like you said it's not like that's a worst part but it's an adjusting part and into the top of that yeah. like yeah like the flashiness but i think we were able to preserve our identity and within that and all of us kind of flourish afterwards but yeah that was definitely something when we were in college like hey man (laughs) (laughs) right right we want all the nikes because like yo we penn state we just went 11 and one bro you telling me i gotta have my white socks two inches above my ankle i think we came in we were the we were the uh we were the oddballs with that or the black sheep because i had the black tape had the egg. I want to say, remember we did what, get off one the of field. Those bowl games. One of those bowl games we did that we were like, yo, we're gonna do it. We're going black and they what it's the last game of the season. They gonna they gonna do it. Get up there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we used to we used to want to do we wanted divisors. Yeah, we wanted we had divisors, yeah. We did rock for a minute. I couldn't do it. I, yeah. it fog up on me, man. I can't see. 
man. We get into it. We talk about our four, like the roommates, man. I talk about we had like that fair four. We could have been had an ill ass, uh, my bad, but an ill brand when we were in college. But like the like the oh, four yeah. horsemen when we were in there. What's your thoughts on the NIL situation and regulation in college sports? Man, you know, uh, first off, the regulation, I think they got a large task ahead of them. Um, I mean, I obviously think it's a topic that's been been big for a while, but even now, I don't think they really have a great grip on like how do you how do you manage this? How do you standardize this? And honestly, I'm just glad I'm not one of the people trying to make that happen. Um, I think it's great for athletes, though, right? Because I think obviously, right, they 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 make the schools a lot of money. Um, I mean, I think you just got to balance that. Maybe me being, I'm not even old, but like, you know, you, you mature something, you just think, okay, us as college kids, like, let's not, I don't want to make it too pro. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, and maybe just because we've been fortunate to be pro, but it's like, they should be able to make money. But, you know, the part maybe that I don't like, hopefully it doesn't turn to that. But then you see guys going to certain places, which, you know, it's going to probably happen for the money, gotcha. for the opportunities, I right? Not that. just for football. Right. And that's kind of pro stuff. Like, oh, you in this market, you can do this and free agency. And so, I mean, I think I think it's good for the students. I think they just have to learn uh, not the students, per se, but the NCAA or some some legislation has to learn to kind of how to try to corral this and, and kind of make it something. But I think it's great for the athletes. They make school a lot of money and, you know, it's going to mature guys a lot because you're going to start getting into contract deals and you're going to have to, you know, going to show up to events and stuff that you're saying you're going to do and and stuff like that. Imagine JK with a Mercedes on state college hey, campus. Coach, man. I'm trying to tell him all it does is force the business down to a younger age so it has to make guys, uh, you know, tighten up a little earlier. So, I mean, I, but to your point, there's like the operation of it is a, is a move in progress and like all those things are still true. How would you have handled the NIL situation coming out? Like what would you have been doing? Man, I mean, I think, you know, we were – we're in one of those markets where Penn State, right, is everything out there. So I think we would have, man, we would have had the, especially as freshmen when we were like the, you know, the thing. It was like we'd have had the pick of whatever deals and, you know, money and all of that stuff and liking it. So, I mean, I just feel like I would have definitely been doing deals and, you know, autograph signings and all of those things. And But I think, you know, one of the genuine things where like just even in that room I talk about, I continue to talk about that room with me, you, Jordan, um, and Derek. It was like we were genuinely good guys, though. So it's not like I think we would have took the money and did something super silly or something super crazy. And we were genuine. Like, we didn't mind signing autographs. We didn't feel like we were too good. Yeah. Um, things like that. So I think we would have took real good advantage of that, man, and, and made it work. But uh, I know that coaching staff we had, they would have been. They would have been hating. <laughs> they would have been, <laughs> been so mad. They would have, oh, my goodness. Nah, they wouldn't have been able to handle nah, that. No, that's real, like, depending on how it was. But, like, you're right. Penn State is one of those, like, 15 to 16, 15 to 20 ecosystems where like, you could, like, really do some damage, like, in terms of the support oh, yeah. and people coming to the games. And, you know, we got hit up a lot oh, to yeah. sign stuff. And, hey, here's some – send it back to us and all that good stuff. But right. a, lot of a lot of different opportunities there. But you're right. Like, it would have been – Above. What are you guys doing? Why isn't this here? Like, <laughs> so that's the time I Penn State, man. We talk about transitioning to the NFL. Like, how was that for you? You know, by then I think I had already been wild enough. Um, I think I remember one of my bigger moments was junior year after that Tennessee game, and they kind of came to us, and you were a junior at the time, and they were kind of like, "Hey, here's kind of the juniors that are are you coming out? Is he coming out?" And I'm like, "Me? Y'all think I can come out?" So that's when it was like, oh, wow, this is real. Like, um, so that's kind of what started me on that path. And then, you know, obviously stayed. But 
Once I transitioned into that, I think I was already kind of built from an acumen of like studying the game and knowing the game where I wasn't intimidated by anything. Um, so by that time, I was just kind of like, all right, well, when you get up here and they talk about everybody's fast, everybody this and that. And I just remember kind of that transition was not per se everybody's fast. I think your linemen, your linebackers get faster, but everybody knows where they're going. They don't waste steps, right? One false step is a touchdown. And, you know, at the other level, a false step is, oh, that's a 30-yard completion. Now, no, that's over his head, gone, or that's a pick six. So you learn, right, like, right. the precision of the game. You're like, wow, like, just looking at guys, I didn't realize they're making all these decisions and and not even really breaking down, but, like, doing it on the fly. So that was, like, a big transition of just kind of getting that full playbook and understanding, like, hey, this is it now. There's no school. There's no net. You study this playbook. Um, that's it. And then, you know, obviously the other part is just being thrown out into the world with, hey, here's a whole bunch of money. Go find where to live, you know, buy furniture, do this or that and hey, handle it, budget it. And like, you know, figure it out. Yeah. And so that, yeah, I mean, the, that's a big yeah, part. Yeah, the building at 645 for that, special right. teams. <laughs> that's, that's it. And even then, right, you get there and it's like you get, you know, guys will be late. They're not going to say nothing. You're just going to see it out your check. Right. In college, you're going to get yelled at out there. They didn't say, you like, oh, man, they ain't even see me. Yeah, you you about eight yeah. K light, ten <laughs> K light. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so true. That is that is very true, man. That's the one thing you talk about against the NFL. Just how much you see guys that've been there th- four, five, six plus years. How studious? How much? How like what type of students of the game they are, right? Like how studious they are about things, and like how they transition into like, oh, this isn't an extracurricular activity for like this is my my job this is like a business because even in college i would say you know you would have people grumble like oh we got this meeting we got this mm-hmm. this install and the league is like well you, you better know because like that's my that's my mortgage that's his mortgage like people were playing for different things on the line and it's like that transition to how serious things are being taken from just the acumen standpoint i was always like okay like it's it's on point yeah I mean, is there anything you would have did differently my bad going to the uh, NFL uh, like during that transition time? Trying to think. Now, I mean, I think I had a, a good thing going. I mean, I kind of I kind of wish we had like some junior pro days, right? We didn't have any of those to kind of set us on the map to set us up. So it was kind of just, you know, what game film we had. And, you know, we were infamous for it. Whenever the NFL scouts there, the practice was going to be dumbed down to a T. So they, you know, they coming out there trying to look at us and it's like, he running curl routes all game, like, right? All practice, like I don't want to see that. Right. Um, so I mean, and that was just a coaching decision thing. But you know, I wish we would have had kind of more opportunities to like, hey man, showcase your talent, and you know, we're gonna put you in the best position to succeed as well. Um, so, sure. Um, but outside of that, I mean, everything I think I did, I, I I took it serious. Like I said, just the way I you know was around you guys, we had a serious game. You know me, and it was just like. I went out in the middle of Jersey and nowhere, eating bag lunches, getting, you know, protein, this and that. And just, I mean, I did everything right. Blazed the combine. So, I mean, I, I had a great time doing it. I mean, I'm, it was a it was a great time doing it. It was just, you had to, right, you had to have that mental fortitude to be like, hey, look, it's time to get down to work. This isn't a cute time to be looking all cool. Like, hey, let's get these stances right. Like, because it's, it's literally a one-day interview just about, right, at the combine combine. One-day interview for millions of dollars. That no matter what, if you get it back at the pro day, like they're gonna be like, ah, but he didn't do it at the big stage, you know. Yeah, so yeah, there's true. always that little asterisk. So it's like you doing so much months of training for one day. 
That's true. And that's interesting. You went to New Jersey to train? Yeah, when I was in Paramus, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, but so yeah. you didn't even do like the hot stuff, go to Arizona. Nah, you wasn't in the mix of Miami. Out on the was, grind. It's good. Uh, the gr- I, mean, Focused. That's, I mean, that's the guy, you know, kind of guy. I mean, everybody's story obviously different. But yeah, I was just was like, man, I just went somewhere kind of low key. Like, let's just get to it. And and that's what we did, man. It was good. And I think just for for that, we went out to uh, like the wide outs. He had us out in North Carolina with Ricky Pro. He was uh okay. he he taught us so he had a, a prolific camp out there so we would do that ah that's tight that's tight so once you get drafted by Seattle in the third round and all that good stuff what was your welcome to the NFL moment man uh trying to think probably <laughs> trying to, it was literally a Chargers um, preseason game running a slant on Crow Marty okay and I'm thinking I'm doing my thing and I'm pushing him outside think I'm about to push him back. His reach was so long, I'll never forget. I was like, oh my gosh, he got his hand on my neck. So I barely <laughs> got I barely got through. And then because kind of barely getting through, the throw was late. And that gave the safety right. So like I said, that precision, like no wasted, like that's gotta be clean. When you swipe through, the ball either gotta be there or you gotta swipe through clean. But it can't be you slow, the ball slow, and this is preseason, so these are guys getting going. Man, that safety knocked my block off. Literally, I just remember seeing like the the side of the boat like a yellow flash and it was man i shoulders hit first feet was up in the air like destroyed me on a slant um that was like the first first moment and then our and like a game it was um i think dawkins was with the broncos by then but getting hit by b doc knocked the wind out of me literally one of those when you get hit and you just immediately run to the sideline like you already like <laughs> just come and get me boss just come, i mean he i ain't even he was chattering saying so i ain't even stick around to hear it i just Come get me. So it, it was the physical <laughs> welcome to the NFL for you. Yeah. I, it was, it was, I'm it was always, yeah, I'm always interested to hear it because like sometimes some guys intro is is more mental, right? Where yeah. like they're in, like intro to something's like, oh, I didn't know it was this serious or, you know, like, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a range of things, right? On yeah. the field, off the field that the NFL comes, but like, that's real. You get hit that first time or seeing like the speed of the game. I'm trying to think of my welcome to the NFL moment, but. Yeah, I remember just like the first couple of games, just things moving so fast. Like, all right, like just no missed just, steps. Just, yeah, like, know, <laughs> like, like no missed. I remember one of the early games too. The Broncos was Champ Bailey was on there, and just his footwork. You know, you as a wideout, right? I like to feel where the corners at, and it was just like I just he was just out of. I don't know where he's at, but he here, and it's just like his footwork. Like, where is he at? Like he's just clean. He's just smooth. There's no wasted steps. I thought I had him. He just plant go, and it's just stuff like that, though, man. That precision. Now, did you get drafted the same year as Russell, or were you the year before? I was a year before. You were a year before. So I had okay. uh, Hasselback uh, for a year, and then Russell actually came when we signed Matt Flynn, and Flynn was supposed to be our guy. And that whole situation played out. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So what would you what would you tell a college player that's getting ready to make that jump to the NFL? I would say, um, you know what, man? Everybody's going to be pretty good that's on a roster up there, right? Whether it's, and it's a chess piece, right? Some guys are going to be fast. Some guys are big, slower. They're going to know where they're going though. Like everybody pretty much knows where they're going. There's only 1% of that 1% who's just the physical Adrian Peterson, Calvin Johnson, and not to take anything away from the game, but where they can just physically dominate even at that level. So you're not going to be able to do that. So you need to know the playbook. You need to learn, right? From a wideout standpoint, you got to know all the checks. Like, Hey, if, if he come too hot, like you need to look now. And the QB is not waiting. And that ball, like I said, is either going to hit you in the helmet or it's going to be a pick six. But it's not going to be, oh, incomplete pass, my bad. 
like and that's right jobs are on the line like you said now this is somebody else mortgage coach is taking you out so you you just realize that precision of the game like start thinking about studying that playbook no concepts because even when you're not getting the ball you got to affect the coverage from a wide out standpoint obviously other defensive players do other things but it's like you got to know your whole scheme don't know just what you do right and then be valuable as well um so that maybe actually touched on one thing. One thing I wish I was a little bit more valuable is special teams, right? We 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 happened to be at Penn State, and, and you know Derek was the punt return guy and kickoff return guy, kind of like that. I think was the opportunity for me because the first time catching punts was in the pros, and that's not really the first time you want to start catching punts. So I was catching punts, but it's like I had no experience. Yeah. So you know, and then even at that level, right? You you learn. Okay, well, I'm not a one or two receiver. Anybody that's not one or two, and sometimes you're two. Everybody else on special teams, bro. So don't come up here thinking like this Penn State, like, hey, man, I want to start it. I don't do Penn. You a gunner. You the edge guy. Like, you something. You playing special teams. So get that in your head, too. So that's about making yourself valuable, learning more than one position, and be prepared for special teams, man. I mean, that's like that special teams piece is so critical, man. Even for my, my transition to the NFL, I think that was a big piece for me. I mean, like, I was always a defensive guy. Like, I played defense. Played offense. I didn't I just didn't. If I was on special teams, I might have been a safety on something, right? right? Never just in the action, really in the track meet. And that is a mentality shift when there's guys that kind of make their living off of that in the NFL. And if you're a receiver and you're not used to kind of doing the super physical stuff, or even as a DB, I don't know, man, playing punt return and then flipping over and playing defense, like just everything else that you're doing as a utility guy, that is definitely something that is. I would yell to guys about transitioning and being ready. I was like applaud school schools like universities that start their starters on special teams so that they have that uh, look for NFL scouts and just showing that they can do it and getting used to do it because that keeps you that'll keep you that'll give you two to three years if you just have oh some gosh, value yeah. right on special there teams. Guys, That's a there are guys that carved out their whole career right. There are guys oh. that I guarantee. So I say it from a wide out standpoint. There are guys who aren't nearly as good as some of the guys they cut at wide receiver, not even close. Yeah. But that guy that they cut doesn't play special teams as well as this guy. And this guy that plays special teams is a good enough wide receiver where we can get away. So it's like, yeah, to that point, man, like that's a big part. So maybe that does touch back on one thing I wish I would have done different. I wish I would have been able to get in the special teams play at Penn State somehow. That's 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 real. Like guys out there listening, playing in college, man, don't be afraid to get onto those special teams and make plays because that does make you valuable, like a, a movable piece once you make it to that next level when 53 guys are active. And it's that special teams that gets you on the field and keeps you um, activated, getting those good checks. We're going to do a quick read one second. Does your son dream of playing college football at the highest level or maybe they just want to maximize their time playing sports and want to give them every chance to succeed? Don't be left in the dark when it comes to the future during this critical part of your football career. Because that's where we come in. The Recruiting and Football Business Masterclass, a comprehensive course that walks you through the entire recruiting process, football ecosystem, so you can help your son navigate the waters and identify the critical factors for making the right decisions about his future. And his future is just as important as yours. We'll show you how to make sure that your hard-earned money isn't wasted on programs that won't bring him success. We know that this football ecosystem, at least sports ecosystem, is a critical uh, point and it's the entry point into the sport business. So making the right decisions and being informed as you're going through so you can be in the captain seat and make the most out of this opportunity and critical point in your career. And so we'll just jump back into that. The link will be in the um, 
bio underneath, and you guys can check that out. We're jumping back into this. So yeah, Neon Dion, back into it. So we're just going to the transition part, just talking about the you know, transition from the game and an injury. How was the transition for you? Uh, the transition out was actually pretty smooth. Um, honestly, I was really, I was really blessed to have some guys in my corner as far as the the agents that I had. So when I was in the league, and I still had that mentality, luckily of you know that same mentality of going to Penn State. I thought about my major and what I'm gonna do after this. And so going into the NFL, I never really planned that at college. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'd already started within my first two years of. Hey, let me, you know, figure out an internship or something. And they, they helped set me up. Obviously, you get a lot of contacts at that level. So I started doing like internships as a NFL guy in the offseason, which was kind of funny. It was crazy, right? Go on vacation and then come back and like do do an internship. And I mean, you remember, which is funny, right? Crazy, because Justin, I was out in I was out in Pittsburgh. I was out in Pittsburgh doing some forensic stuff. And it helped set that where I already had some experience, right? It didn't come into play until two or three years later, but I already had experience where I could say like, hey, two years, here's an internship that I did, here's an internship that I did. So it wasn't brand new to me. So when I transitioned out, I already had some experience in the field. And then what you already know, man, a lot of just what sports taught us, I was already prepared as far as, you know, you get the the questions like, hey, how well do you work in a team? Well, let me tell you about a team of 110, 112 people, everybody personality different. Right. I can work well. Hey, do you work well under pressure? Hmm, I think so. Um, you know what I mean? So like things like that, all the things that you do as an athlete, accountability, you know, um, being prompt and uh, all those things like that, that just transitioned over into, especially when you're getting into a new career, was just like, okay, we can teach you the specifics of what it is, but we want you to have the mode of a guy. Are you quick to learn? Can you learn? Do you have the willingness to learn? Can you talk to people? Uh Are you personable? Things like that. And it's like all of those things were taught to us in sports. And I think a lot of times guys miss out on that um, because we just think, oh, I play sports. But it's like if you really peel back the layers and look at it, like you manage time because you had to do, you know, whether it was study hall and football or football and then a meal and then get home and take care of your body but you manage time processing i mean there's there's so many things yeah so many things playbook i mean in the middle of the game like you say be able to read somebody coming hot and make a quick decision because everything changes and there's you know chain reactions everything that's happening like and then for you probably how many times have you thought probably game plan in middle of the third quarter they say hey look justin we've been doing this we about to start doing this and you got to do that on that chalkboard right before the ipad but boom, on the boom, chalkboard boom. hey we're going to do this now and practicing one thing like, all week and then all of a sudden one play changes that the guard lifts his left finger up we're going to change the whole coverage and we got to run what we did two, week two we ran against them and you got to have that recall and right go, right yeah that's right. real that's a and all those things transition man no, that's one hundred percent right. And you talk about like when you came to Pittsburgh, do an internship. Like that was kind of one of. I'm just gonna be honest. That was one of the first times because I was like towards the end of my career, knowing it, and just was I was in Pittsburgh, and I saw you doing your internship in the summer. And I'm like, man, I need to tighten up. My man's doing internships in the off season. You know, I'm still, I'm still in it, but like you are too. And I'm just like, okay, I wait, what? Hold up. We got to get focused. I need to get ready to get this transition stuff right. Because I saw you like making those steps while you were still playing and it was a little different. And you said your agents helped you out. You said they pretty much put you in contact kind of in the right areas of what you wanted to do. Yeah. So they they had they had the contacts with uh, certain like 
police agencies and things like that. So that's big. They through those yeah through those contacts and you know at that level, man, you you get access to a lot of people. Sure, a lot of people um, don't. A lot of know, people don't so. give them up to their players though. So I think that's kudos to you. I mean, I've dealt with agents on many different fronts, and like I don't know if they're open up their the Rolodex for all their players, right? Like you probably showed that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not going to mess up this guy's yeah. relationship. Like, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> and, a and piece I, of yeah. it. No, but that's. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you got to have some willingness to want to do it too, right? I, I stepped out and I wanted to do it. And it was Jim Ivler, who's still an agent and he's still looking out for guys. Now he does a lot at Penn state, but it's just like, you know, just having that want to and saying, like I said, I had that background. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'd love to play forever, but, let me let me just and I actually enjoyed it. So I was like, I actually enjoyed this in the offseason. So let me do a little bit of it. I didn't have to give two months to it or anything like that. It was just like, hey, just show some resolve that you did this for, you know, two or three weeks. And then that went a long way when I was interviewing in the beginning. People were like, so you were in the NFL, but then you're doing an internship like that just tells me without you saying anything, your character and who you are. Kudos, kudos to that. Kudos to your agent and kudos to for him like even set you up because I remember like that. It did help me get on the track of like, all right, what do I need to do? I know I want to work in football. I know I want to do this, but like get more poignant, mm-hmm. right? Because like I saw you, you came to Pittsburgh, you were staying with me in the yep. park. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go work with this place. My man set up for the intern. I'm like, oh, I mean, I know what I want to do, but like I don't, I'm not making these contacts right now. Like while you were like making those contacts. And again, roommates in college, and we was like, all right, we all kind of knew looking around, like what's everybody doing? It was like, that was like my reminder, like six years later, like, all right, roommates doing this, like let's get mm-hmm. this. Let's get this transition thing going. What were your, some of your first uh, transition jobs and how did you get those roles? So I, one of my first ones. So when I was actually out, I worked um, at a company, Pfizer. So I just I just applied for an internship. One of the that's another kind of mindset thing, too, man. Right. You come from making all this money being, hey, we're not waiting in line. You know, we, had, you know, all of that stuff to just like going through the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, facts. <laughs> so now it's like. I'm applying for an internship. So, of course, the first thing people want to ask me when all along your resume is NFL, like, well, well, what happened? Now, I'm sure every player that's ever played, everybody asks, like, what happened as if every player has just decided, you know what, I could play 10 more years, but I'm going to stop. It's like, <laughs> bro, it's like people always ask, well, what happened? What happened? And you're just like, oh, you know, it ended it, da-da-da, like I'm transitioning. So I applied for an internship, and I think that just showed them, too. They were just like, wow, well, you just, I would have just expected you to try to be doing something. Like, nah, this is what I want to do. Like, if this is the level I got to start at, all right, because, you know, IT is not something you just kind of pick up somewhere else. You got to literally kind of know networking and get into that. Um, so build the build the blocks, yep, like, all the literally. way. Literally, so, right, you got to. And that's big that we talk about that from transition and, like, showing that level of humility and, like, yeah. knowing that there's a gap and just using the stuff that you know to kind of help accelerate filling in the gaps that the things that you don't know. But it takes a level of humility and you have enough stuff that you brought to the table that it should, once you right. take a little bit of that process, expedites and accelerates, you know, your growth and your career development. And I mean, yeah. listening to your story, I mean, I knew some of the stuff from, like, even as roommates being far away. And I knew you were always on point, but like hearing the tactical steps, I think is very important for guys listening, like how important it is just to even show or how it looks for the full pixels of like someone being in the NFL and in the offseason, they're still doing their thing and they're going to take two, they're taking two months to get some type of didactic knowledge or experience in the field that they want to yeah. do, being open to taking an internship. And it's like to learn the base, I mean, the, the building right. blocks of I mean, what I'm trying to do is a I career. I had to start at the bottom. So, yeah, that was when I was a Windows admin, right? So, just like your normal Windows computer, I was working on servers that were Windows. So, I would 
break fix those for for companies and um, then i went to a security role in that where we were on the firewalls and implementing firewall rules and then now where i've transitioned to engineer and network security so i'm doing project-based work now where if you tell me and i'm at cox communications so it's like if you tell me hey we want to stand up these new servers for this i'm you know getting you ips putting in firewall rules setting up your routing and switching and doing all of that stuff Man, that's, that's, I mean, that's amazing. What attributes, like, or traits, like, from your plan days, did you feel like you leaned on the most on your transition in the cybersecurity field? One of the first ones, actually, that was pretty, um, pretty evident was, and it still comes through to this day, is not being afraid. I mean, I'm not afraid of not knowing, you know what I mean? You, I feel like you've yeah. probably worked with people where it's just like, they're so afraid <clears throat> to not know, or they're so afraid if a VP or see somebody gets on a call. I'm like, I, you know, for us, like, we done been around who's the who. So like, who? okay, so I'm going to still talk the same way. I'm going to be calm, but I'm not going to lose my train of thought or like, oh, I didn't want to say anything because so-and-so, I don't want to send this email to them. Why not? If you need to send an email to them, you need to send an email to them. So not being afraid was a big thing and then especially being in a break fix environment where you get on a call because something's broke so you're not getting off until it's fixed and then people right people were like on the call and like trying to and it's just like you got to be able to like all right be calm in the storm and that from football and sports in general just being calm in like all those situations we've been in third and two in practice to third and two in a game and running actual plays and stuff it's like i've been in this situation okay look the stuff is broke. I understand people can't, you know, with money, people can't trade right now. They need it back. Let's look and let's figure this out. And like, but you know, people get so, and this is like football, we've been in those situations. So I lean on that heavy of just like people are like, oh my gosh, you're so calm. And they, they thought I knew way more than I knew, but it was just because I was calm. Did you know that that was like a special, like, did you recognize that as a special gift? Because like, I, cause I always say the same thing for me. Like that's when I, like when I got into corporate America and started working and I just started seeing certain things rattle people. And I was just like, I mean, that, that shouldn't rattle you. And then I was just like, I, and at one point I used to get frustrated because like people would move a certain type of way so that they wouldn't get rattled. Right. So then you, then it's the, now you're playing the politics game. Then I was like, I'm not doing this. And I felt real comfortable with not conflict, but like uncomfortable spaces that kind of come up when you're trying to get to a real apex point in any type of situation. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is our superpower. This is like where we can <laughs> like kind of move, like and have a conversation, like you said, where like the hands don't shake, like on the Godfather. Like, oh yeah. Hey, I mean, it's, it's, we're kind of built for like a little bit of yeah, volatility. We're, <laughs> we're, we're built for that. And I think like, it's, like you said, I didn't think about that until those situations started happening. Even recently, um, I just did a, a video that's posted on our website, right, for Cox or anybody coming in. And we had to do a, like an hour long recording, me and one other teammate. And it's in front of like 400, 500 people. And they were just like, oh, my gosh. Like, And, and like, I remember the guy was practicing. was just so nervous, like just really nervous and kind of like, you know, messing up his words. And I'm like, and he I mean, he's super smart, but it's just the sure. fact that it's right. It's going to be this sure. many people. And I'm like, you know, we good. And then, you know, I rattled the thing off and it really helped springboard me now, even in this role where it's just like people look at me like, oh, wow, you need to be in leadership. The way you're calm, the way you carry yourself, like it was 400 people. You, you, you know, you have a sense of humor still. You're joking along with telling us the story. You're not just up there like, you know what I mean? So it was just like I really felt like, oh, wow, like you saying, like I really lean on that now as far as like, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable being uncomfortable is what I call it. Right. Right. I'm, right. I'm comfortable. Is, is that. 
it's 100% that being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And it's also like actually having confidence in what you're doing once you make that transition, right? Where it's like, all right, now I know my technicals of cybersecurity or forensics or that I'm doing. And it's like, all right, now it's just a matter of managing nerves. And you start seeing like the different pixels of when we talk about a candidate or like a player, right? Like we know how fast... Like you play a DB, like he might be fast, he might be six uh, two, da da da. But you might see, like, oh, he kind of scared, or like he's not as confident as you oh, might yeah. see, like from a football player standpoint. But like that same type of thing in the workforce, whether it's corporate America, you know, in the corporate suites and different things of that nature. It's like, yeah, you can be very technical, but a conversation or interpersonal thing, like can't get the words out, or you can't do a presentation because they're nervous about someone saying something, or bad with conflict you know what i mean like mm-hmm. spat whatever the different things may be but like you start to see those aspects and like noticing like all right you coming from elite sports there's some things that if you get the technicals right kind of create this di- this super dynamic leadership professional that you can set yourself apart and like as Absolutely. you're but you're somebody that as from the interview that you're listening has built those blocks from the recruiting process, like how you were going through the recruiting process, what you were doing at Penn State, how you approached it. You talk about just being built all the way up to like, you know, now you're getting into now where you're at, you know, network security engineer at Cox Communications. And it's like what you're saying that the attributes that pushed you was like that level of lack of fear and knowing who you were and like all those, that thread that kind of went through your whole career. So with all that being said, for listeners that may not know, can you give a little description of kind of what, you do as a network security engineer? So yeah, so network security engineer now, especially right now, we're busy as far as we're a, we're a cable provider. So kind of like, you you know, you think about your other people have Comcast, Cox is big in other areas, so we're a cable provider right. like that. Um, I'm standing up, like I said, right now busy because a lot of people are home streaming. So right, they need more capacity and we have, you know, hotels as clients and things like that as well. So actually it's pretty cool. We did... Um, we won the bid and we did uh, Las Vegas. We did their um, stadium. So I helped set up oh. that. I helped set up that Wi-Fi there, which was pretty cool. Oh, Didn't so get to go the out there. For the, so you yeah. did the infrastructure for the Wi-Fi over the Las Vegas. Ah, yeah, okay. Did like okay. some of the routing and set up some of that stuff. So that was pretty cool. But um, so just like setting up those things. So like in a day to day, you know, I might, all right, well, I need to get on a router or a switch and I'm going to, you know, get your routing going, make sure you got a firewall rule or I need to, might consult uh, my application that said, hey, you, you're going to need a firewall rule to go here. Or you, you're not allowed to go in that zone. But so I'll just enable that connectivity project wise for different applications. So just think of something as simple as, hey, we want to we want to be able to click and watch a movie from my phone. I'm helping set up that connectivity if you have Cox as far as, all right, gotcha. well, they're going to go here. They're going to pull from this server. And that, like I'm setting up that connectivity for the the common person would they think of just like hey i got my tablet and i hit this movie and i can watch from anywhere got it got it oh that makes perfect sense so you know we're looking to give blueprints and amplify your voice at the same time so what are some common personality traits that you like that you think should explore a career in cybersecurity, like for athletes coming up um i mean i think someone that's really um driven really focused i think it's really about and uh, you got to be curious too about it. You kind of kind of like some type of, you know, connectivities or some type of computers. If you kind of like that, and I mean, I think everything in this world right now, it's almost you can't escape a tablet, a computer, a laptop. Everything's getting so mobile. So if you're like really into that mo- mobile or and like how do, how are these things working? How am I getting there? 
I think mm -hmm. that's pretty cool because everything is going towards that. I mean, you see now where you don't even need your credit card on you, right? You just load it into your phone and it's like, hey, I can play it right here and pay tapping on the phone. So just guys, exactly. if you're built into that, I think that's a great start. And then everything else that we kind of talked about as far as um, being comfortable, being uncomfortable and being you know, a leader and things like that, you'll just break into management in that field. And then you'll be the guy making those decisions as far as kind of making those uncomfortable decisions that other people might be afraid. But like, hey, you know what? I'm not afraid to be here and say this. Right. That's that, I think that's huge. Right. Because like those 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 critical pieces that you're talking about that even separate yourself are those leadership and management traits that you can't always just put on a resume. And it's kind of hard to fill in the pixels with some of the work that I do. We help find C-level C-level uh, C -level executives for Fortune 500 companies and different things like that. That's the that kind of mm. thing that comes up is where yeah, you might have all this like history of, you know, doing stuff or like a nice resume, but like what are the actual pixels that you're filling in from a leadership standpoint or the actual gap that you're filling within a company? Because a lot of times those are change makers, right? When you're talking about leadership, can they handle, deal with conflict without getting uh, all crazy, deal with different things without having a fear-based mentality going into the decision-making process and kind of galvanizing a team? And like you saw, like from a head coach, you know, different head coaches that you play for, like when they got up on the podium, like, man, I don't believe anything he's saying <laughs> versus like some of the best leaders that you saw. It was like, all right, that's what it is. Yeah. And a lot of times guys are around some pretty good leaders in sports and kind of have an understanding of what accountability that comes with that and just that gap though, where it's that technical piece that you're saying, uh -huh. that internships and getting in there. So I think that's trying to just build those those criteria so guys can create yeah. super executives when they leave the sport or if they want to do their own thing right. and they can be their own super executive, whatever those cases are, but stacking up those integral attributes that we've kind of built up along the way. So, I mean, I love kind of everything that you were saying from that standpoint. What was the most difficult aspect of transitioning for you? Because it seemed like you were on point the whole way. Was there any? I mean, I think I think it's just the men mentally, I think, honestly, was the toughest thing, right? Because you've been doing it for so long at that point, right? You've been playing ball. You've kind of been the who's of who. And then now it's like, and I tell people, it's almost like Monopoly money up there, right? Paychecks are just like people don't, they're not used to that. And you're young in your 20s and stuff. And then like, okay, you go from all of that to, all right, well, here's now. So like for me, right, in my personal journey, here's 15 an hour on an internship. And it's like, man. And then so, right, mentally, you have to take on that blow after probably just realizing that, okay, I'm really done with football, which is in itself a blow. Yeah. And then on top of that, then you have everybody that wants to talk to you about, which is understandable, right? I would want to talk to somebody about if I met a baseball player or something. But then everybody wants to talk to you and remind you about it and wants to know, like I said, why what happened, this and that. And a cool aspect of it is that you can share that story. You can share that journey. But it's also tough mentally because it's just also like, yes, I'm not there anymore. And like, I mean, there's a certain bravado, right? When you're, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a player. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get dressed up. Our, our dress code to go in the locker room is shorts and tea every day. And right, then right. outside of that, like, if I want to get fly on the plane, I can do it how I want. But like, not just like our office and stuff like that, you know? So it's, it's, it's different. It's a mental thing, I think, uh, was the biggest transition and hurdle of just kind of like, hey, you're really done with it. When do you, I remember to a big point was, when do I stop training? Because, you know, you always one phone call away. 
when do I stop training and say, okay, I'm really giving it up because I need to be able to go into an office and get this work done and kind of build my resume that way and say, you know, if so-and-so calls tomorrow, I'm sorry, I'm not in shape, bro. I'm, I'm good. I'm done. You know, that's a big point when you really make that decision, like, all right, no more workouts. You really have to make that decision. We talk about guys being in that purgatory for cause that two years because it costs money to train, it costs money to eat, and you're not really focused on building up your resume, taking an internship. Like you're still in a player's mentality where it's like Dude. working out, I'm focusing on this. I'm mentally ready for when they, when they call the dogs, I got to go ready to bite. Like it's, it's a whole different yeah. mentality. <clears throat> and that's kind of where you see guys have that space from like the time when they play before they get into a job. And then it's like, I can't take that internship for $15 an hour. That's too much of a hit. Like I've been doing this for two years, but like, and so that's a, I think a great point where guys understanding where you're at and having that awareness of where you are in your career. So you can use that time to accelerate into that next career, right? Where like you said, right. your doors were being open where your agents were helping you make those connections when it's like, you know, you had an injury. I'm sure after that you started doing your different internships as well. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. that, that's, that's all a part of this process, even when you're making that crucial transition. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So, it's, I mean, that that is a very hard thing, man. For anybody, they know that's went through it, but for the younger guys coming, man, it's gonna be tough. There's no, there's no easy way to do it, and everybody's not the same. But it's tough. It's just, it's a tough decision when you actually make that decision, but you just have to commit to it. True story. You may have, you may have touched on this a little bit for players that are looking to get into the tech cybersecurity industry. What are some steps they can take to accelerate that process while they're in the game outside of maybe an internship or things of that nature? I think um, the NFL has right a lot of good resources. So they have resources as far as even like paying for certain educational things and whether if it's your school or it whatnot. Oh, so okay. For a guy that if he doesn't. So even so like in college. So I'll just say for for those guys, like I would say in the technical world, mm-hmm. there's a lot of certifications, right? Certifications are kind of the key to get you out. So if you don't have the schooling as far as like if you didn't go to school for networking, you can still go and pick up a certification that'll show, okay, you have a, a building block of knowing networking or knowing firewalls or Windows, Linux, whatever it is. So those, there's a lot of certifications out there. I would say look into those okay. and, and grab one of those and that'll get you like some experience. And you know, if you want to go a step further, um, get into a lab. And when I say a lab, just like a virtual lab. So you can get on your laptop and go and get like a virtual machine or something like that, which is kind of when it spins up like a Windows or a Mac inside of your laptop, basically. You yeah. can just play around and, and do commands in there, but get a lab so then you can actually get hands-on experience. You'll you'll get part of that in the certification, but if you want to take it a step further, get one on your own. They don't cost too much. It is an investment in yourself, sure. right? Maybe like $70, $80 a month or something like that maybe, but it's about, hey, if you're serious about it, I think those are great steps to at least get your building blocks to where you'll start getting recognized and you'll start getting hits for if I'm applying to be in the networking space, people will re- respond to you and say, oh, hey, I see you got this certification or, hey, I see you've done this. Tell me more about it. And then you can lean into, hey, I've got a lab actually on my laptop now where I'm running Windows 10 or I'm running Linux Ubuntu or whatever. whatever." That's critical right there, man. My man Dion giving out the codes and the games. Like if you want to get into that (laughs) cybersecurity world, like you said, start off with those certifications and start building those things up. Those building blocks, man. You've accomplished so much through your career. What's the what's the end goal? What's the career end goal? 
C-level, man. I want to be C-level somewhere. I want to make those decisions. Um, as far as kind of, to me, I'm in the kind of cybersecurity network security space. So I want to, I want to make a decision on a company's security posture. Like, Hey, how are we going to lock down our, you know, our network assets? You know, who do we, who are going to be our clients? Like what are our hardware vendors? Who are, are we going to pick, you know, different with Palo Alto, Cisco, Juniper, like what are we going to have in our environment? And I'm getting exposed to some of that now where I'll get on calls when we're, you know, taking bids from different companies and like, hey, let's test this out. How does this work in our environment? But I want to be that guy to say like, hey, nope, we're going to be this type of company. We're going to, you know, have this security stance. We're going to, you know, PCI, this or that. But whatever it is, I'm going to be a guy to make those decisions from up top and kind of really drive and lead our security focus um, for a company. That's amazing. And it looks like you are on the way, man. That looks like, I mean, Definitely on that rocket path to, towards that, Appreciate man. So just it. thank you for jumping on to the Blue Chip Academy Blueprint to Success interview series, man. Just a quick recap of what Dion said, man, from walk on to the record books, man. Just understanding when you're going through this football ecosystem and you're going through the recruiting process, man, take, make sure you take your time. Understand where your fit is, what you're going to school for, and understand that football is Football is icing on a cake if you take care of everything that you need to do and just understanding that you have to go with some self-belief, talking about going from a walk-on to the record books. Like there's a lot of different adversities that come through uh, being low on a totem pole and kind of rising up, but like you taking care of yourself, taking care of what you need to bring to the table and going out there and making plays and just being ready along the way stacking up the stuff, whether it's getting a degree like Dion talked about and understanding what he wanted to do and how he evaluated the schools into the transition from the NFL and and uh, getting internships and just creating a dynamic professional before he was even in the realm of, you know, the job force or the work, uh, the works, the workforce in general as a cybersecurity professional and just kind of building up those skills and like being able to accelerate and put himself in the captaincy to take over. So again, you guys like subscribe to the channel and download the checklist, um, the recruiting checklist whenever you guys get a chance so you can make informed decisions. And again, Dion, thank you for jumping on to the podcast, man. It was a pleasure. Always, man. Appreciate you being here, man, and love what you're doing. Like I said, I'm watching and I'm definitely going to get more involved in it. And I love what you're doing, man. I already knew you'd do great things. So, hey, man, I appreciate it. it, man. You gave you gave the <clears throat> blueprint, man, for the like seamless <laughs> transition. You, like, do everything you need to do, play at a high level, get your degree, make that transition, move on up in the corporate ranks, man, and keep doing your thing. So, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Like you said, man, you talk about anomalies all the time, but like, here's where you talk about someone that goes in as a walk-on and leaves out in the record book. So much kudos, dog. All right, man. Awesome, man. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel. Where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash blue chip academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.